Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. Today, we conclude our series on the theme of this summer's Beeson Magazine, Singing the Faith, with a special alumnus who serves as both a pastor and a Christian rapper. I hope you're intrigued. Kristen will tell you more about this good friend in just a minute. Before she does, let me tell you, we are one week away from a new semester, and there is much going on in the hallowed halls of Beeson. Our Tuesday chapels begin on August 30th. Our lay academy classes begin in September. We also have two big conferences this fall, The Beauty of God, Preaching, Worship, and the Arts, and our second annual Beeson Alumni Conference. The best ways to keep up with all that's going on are to bookmark the events page of the Beeson website and sign up for our new e-newsletter called Happenings at beesondivinity.com media. All right, Kristen. Please tell us about today's special guest. Today's guest is Devonte Anderson. Reverend Anderson is a Beeson alumnus, senior pastor of St. Paul AME Church in Adamsville, and a Christian artist. We are so glad to have you, Devonte, to the Beeson podcast, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It is so good to be here. Would you begin today by introducing yourself to our listeners? We always like to hear a little bit of your story. So where are you from? Um, anything about your family and faith in Jesus Christ? Okay, so I was born and raised in Florence, Alabama. Um, actually attended the University of North Alabama where I got my bachelor's. Um, as far as my background and um, you know my faith walk, uh, I was actually given up for adoption the day I was born. I was adopted when I was three months old, but I spent the first seven years of my life in a foster home. My mom, she was not able to have kids, but she loved kids. So she started a foster home and ended up actually winning Foster Parent of the Year a couple of years in a row. Wow. So she ended up adopting seven beautiful children, including myself. So I have six siblings. And after finalizing the adoption of all seven of us, she decided that, you know, no more foster home, no more bouncing around from house to house. From now on, we need stability. So she, I remember this as clear as day. She sat us down in the living room and said, uh, from now on, you're a family and you're going to act like a family and we're going to start going to church as a family. Mm. So that was uh, pretty much the beginning of my faith walk as, uh, you know. (laughs) How old were you when that happened? Seven years old. All right, because I think you told us in the magazine you felt a call to preach when you were seven years old. Yes. And that's an unusually young age at which to sense a call to preach. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yes, after my mom told us that, <laughs> she told us that we're going to start going to church as a family. You know, most of us may have only been to church one or two times, so we didn't know much about it. But I would never forget it. I was seven years old, and one Sunday— not long after we started attending, maybe only my second or third week attending, we are sitting in the congregation. I'm watching the pastor preach, and he has on this black robe with red crosses on it. And I do not remember a single word he said, but I will never forget it. I felt the Holy Spirit, and I felt God's presence for the first time. And I remember God saying to me as clear as day, what that man in the black robe is doing, that's what you're going to do one day. And I'm like, wow. Does this happen every time you go to church? You know, because, you know, church was still new to me at that point. But it was an an unusual experience, especially for someone 
at such a young age. Mm. But it was a great experience, and it was definitely a defining moment. You graduated from Beeson in 2019 with your Master of Divinity degree. What brought you to Beeson? I wonder if you can fill in the gap between seven, feeling called to preach, to uh, end up at Beeson Divinity School to prepare for ministry. So although I was called to preach at the age of seven, keep in mind that um, church was new to me, and I did not grow up, you know, in a Christian culture. I grew up in hip-hop culture. A lot of people, when they think of hip-hop, they think of rap music, but they don't understand it's a culture. You know, it's a it's how you talk, it's how you walk, it's how you see, it's a lens through which you see the world. That's what I grew up in. So I was completely immersed within hip-hop culture. But at the same time, um, because of my background, you know, coming from a background of moralistic deism, coming from a background of very traditional, staunch religion, you know, a way going about church. You know, me and my family, we were subconsciously taught that you cannot be authentically hip hop and be a devout Christian at the same time. So I thought God couldn't use somebody like me. So for from the age of seven all the way to the age of 16, I wrestled with my call. I really found myself in a dark place because I wanted so bad to answer my call to preach, but just knowing that one, I'm a sinner, but then two, at the same time, even if I want to repent of my sins, God can't use somebody like me. That's what I'm thinking. But a beautiful thing happened one day. Um, keep in mind that um, a lot of my teachers, they also knew that there was a natural born leader in me. So it's no matter where I went, people could see the calling in my life. But the, the issue was teachers just didn't know how to reach me. Well, one day when I was 16, I had a student teacher, band teacher. He came up to me and he said, just like all the other teachers said, Devontae, you're a natural born leader. You have a calling on your life. Why don't you answer it? And I said, honestly, I don't think God can use somebody like me. Because at this point, the only Christian rap I had seen was either somebody who was not authentically hip hop, but they're trying to use Christian rap to reach people who they couldn't relate to, mm. or they are authentically hip hop, but they're not a devout Christian. They only do it because uh, they believe it's the right thing to do or their parents make them do it. So I had never seen someone who was authentically Christian and authentically hip hop at the same time. So I told him, I said, man, God can't use somebody like me. And he says, well, have you ever heard of Lecrae? And I said, what's that, a rock group? And he goes, no, he's a Christian rapper. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because of my previous experiences with Christian hip hop. But he gave me a CD and I took it home. It was a CD after the music stops, which came out in 2006. But this would have been 2008 when I was 16. I listened to that CD and by the second song, I had given my life to the Lord. And not only that, I looked him up and come to find out, you know, he is sound theologically. He's involved in biblical community. He even has a record label full of artists who are just as passionate about Jesus as he is. And they all are in an accountability group with one another. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And it was then I saw God really can use someone like me. So I answered my call to preach, preached my trial sermon when I was 16, started rapping after that. Uh, like I said, ended up going to the University of Alabama where I got my bachelor's. But then I knew that I was going to have to get my MDiv at some point. In the AME church, it requires in the discipline that all pastors have an MDiv. I serve here in the Ninth District, which is the state of Alabama. And we had actually two of our best pastors who at the time were working at Beeson Divinity School, Dr. Ronald D. Sterling and Dr. Patricia A. Outlaw. And both of them helped me to get into the school. Mm -hmm. And 
After they helped me to get into the school, praise be to God, I was actually able to do my SMP under Dr. Sterling. And then after serving my SMP under him, I was able to intern under Dr. Outlaw for a second internship. So I find it funny that most students don't get the opportunity to intern for one college professor. And God blessed me with the opportunity to do it under two. So God is really good in that. All right. So you've already talked a little bit about hip hop culture and and what it means in your view to be authentically hip hop. And I'm just thinking about our listeners. Some of them know a lot about hip hop culture. Some of them don't. So help us out. What does it mean for you to incorporate hip hop culture, rap music in your ministry? Or just practically speaking, how do you do that? What do you do? Both directly and indirectly. And what I mean by that is, is yes, I'm intentional about how to reach certain audiences because you know you have to go about different means to reach different types of people. But at the same time, I don't have to try. It's natural. The love of God is in me. The spirit of God is in me. The spirit, it, it goes forth with the power of God. The word of God is in me. So I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. But at the same time, hip hop, it's its who I am. You know, it's how I see, you know, the world. So I don't have to pretend. I can minister just as easily to the seasoned saints as I can to the younger people who may not like traditional means they they want to hear hip-hop so it it hasn't been hard for me at all it just requires me being myself and being willing to serve and being ready to serve actually so just one quick follow-up you know there's a little bit of debate going on about integrating hip-hop and pastoral ministry want to ask you what you think about that and how you handle it but i'm still thinking about some listeners who've heard some songs on the radio or television, they know what hip hop sounds like, they know what rap music is, but I'm not sure they know what hip hop culture is mm. and what it means for a pastor like you to try to incorporate hip hop culture in your ministry. That's the first thing, hip hop is simply a culture. I think too many times we are so quick to judge other cultures, but we forget that, you know, the first form of Christianity was not Western Christianity. The first form of Christianity, it's found in the ancient Middle East. It then made its way to what we now know as East Africa before it even went to Europe. And even before it went to Europe, you see it in Asia Minor. You see it in the southern parts of Europe before you start seeing it in, in uh, countries like you know Britain, Germany, and France. I say all that to say that Christianity, it transcends culture. Mm -hmm. It has since the beginning. So you have people who they judge hip hop thinking that hip hop can't be used, but what they fail to understand, it's a culture just like any other culture. And it's a culture that God can use. It's, you know, hip hop is not just rap music. It's it's so many different things. It's art. It's it's a it's a way of speech. It's a it's a way that we see certain things. But even amongst even, you know, bigger than all of that with rap music itself, rap is nothing but poetry. It may be added to a, a different type of beat that some people are not used to. But when you take the beat away, it's nothing but poetry. That's all it is. It's somebody just, you know, taking rhymes that they wrote in their notebook or typed up on their phone and just you know, saying those maybe a little bit faster, but that, but that's all it is. Mm. But to people who don't like the beats, they say, well, I understand rap is poetry, but why do y'all have to have such hardcore beats or whatever? First of all, not all the beats are hardcore. Uh, you see a lot of rappers who have violins, flutes, harps in their music. Uh, 
you know, hip hop itself is very diverse. It's able to reach so many different people. That's why you see, that's why it's the number one genre in the world right now. Because it, more than any other genre, is able to reach, you know, different types of people. But then, even when it does come to the hardcore beats, I mean, if you really just break it down, yeah, the beats may sound a little hardcore, but all it is is a thump and a couple of cents. And my question to them will be, how can you declare a thump and a couple of cents evil? How could you declare that sinful? You see people all the time who they simply clap their hands and stomp their feet and make a beat. That's all hip hop is. It's just that the beats are a little more defined and they got a little more bass to them. But at the end of the day, you can't declare something in and of itself sinful. Just like a house. If a house is dirty, you don't say the house is bad. No, you say it's dirty and it's not kept up with because of the people who live in the house. But you can't look at hip hop, look at the beats and say, oh, this is a sinful means. You know, this is something we can't use. It's, it's too street. It can't come into the church. No, God is able to redeem anything. God is so powerful. He can save anybody from any form of sin. I mean, we, we teach that the power, the, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to break every chain. We teach that. So if we teach that about sins, why don't we teach that about cultures as well? One of the things that came through so clearly in the article, the first person article that you wrote for the magazine is a love and calling to young people. Mm-hmm. And so you really see your preaching ministry and your Um, songwriting, hip-hop, rap ministry, and even your ministry in the school as being cohesive. Mm -hmm. So tell us, uh, how do these things fit together for you? Um, In particular, um, I would love for you to share with our listeners what you do, I believe, every six Sunday, and then how um, it's bringing and reaching the youth in your community. Yeah, so um, at St. Paul AME Church Adamsville, where I pastor, every fifth Sunday, we do this thing called Fab Five Sunday. We call it Fab Five Sunday because the same way the Fab Five at the University of Michigan in the early 90s, they brought hip hop to basketball in a way we had never seen before. You know, before they came, everybody wore short shorts, you know. You didn't see players with bald heads or high top fades. Um, you, you didn't see none of that. And you and they definitely did not tell you. They may have listened to hip hop in the locker room, but they didn't tell you in the media that they listened to hip hop because they knew they would get judged. Well, the Fab Five comes in and they changed college basketball forever. Now you can't even imagine going to a basketball game and hip hop music not being the main form of music that they're playing throughout the basketball game. It started with the Fab Five. So... What we did is we call it Fab Five Sunday. Every fifth Sunday, um, instead of doing a normal worship service, what we do is is I get up and I rap and I preach in between songs. And what we've noticed is is that it brings out so many youth to the church. As a matter of fact, in the, the black church tradition, there's this joke that there are some people who are CMEs. They only come to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Mm-hmm. I say that to say, well, at our church, we have what we call Fab Fivers. We have kids who don't even come to church on Christmas. They don't come to church on Mother's Day, but they are there every Fab Five Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. As a matter of fact, uh, I was talking to my secretary one time because I was going over a list of kids that are members of the church. And I was like, have I seen some of these kids? And I, I called her and I said, hey, do I know this girl right here? And she goes, yeah, she comes every time you have Fab Five Sunday. It's like mm. just another example that, you know, they, they don't come on other Sundays, but they come on this Sunday. But... I've noticed that, um, you know, just 
me myself growing up in hip hop culture, I noticed that there are a lot of people who they honestly do not listen to Christian or gospel music. Their ear is completely turned off to it. You will even find people who will say uh, they have no desire to listen to Christian or gospel music. And with that being said, we have to find unique ways to reach them. We got to find ways to reach people who you're not going to be able to reach if you try to give them a, a Kurt Franklin or a Fred Hammond or a, a whatever, a commissioned CD. Because they're, they're completely turned off to it. So what is the means? The means is what they do listen to. That's hip hop. That's rap. And you can say all you want that, you know, we shouldn't mix the, the, the church with the street. But first of all, isn't that what evangelism is? It's going out and reaching people. I mean, that's what evangelism is. And we have to find ways to reach people. We can't stay stuck in our own ways because if so, we're never going to be able to reach them because they don't want to listen to what has been offered. We're going to have to offer something new. And I've seen it work in my own personal ministry. I'm seeing kids who they love hip hop. They want to see it in the church and they come to church on Fat Five Sunday because we're doing that. And I really do believe if we find unique ways to incorporate hip hop and, and rap into our worship services, we will find that it will make a difference in the lives of the young people because whether we want to accept it or not, hip hop is the number one uh, music genre in the world right now. It back in, two, in 2019, it surpassed rock music and rock music had been the number one um, accepted genre for, I think, more than 30 years. And hip hop has finally surpassed that. So this is what the kids are listening to. This is what they love. This is what they identify with. So we got to find a way to incorporate into our worship services the same way we did blues, the same way we did rock music, the same way we did country music. Well, what, what you say doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me, given how far down the road we are on the worship wars we've been having for quite a while now, it surprises me that there's still a big debate that you're dealing with about using hip-hop music in worship services. We do use and have for most of my adult lifetime all kinds of other forms of popular music and rock and roll music and so mm -hmm. on. Is there something about hip-hop that has people thinking it's a different category? I mean, what are you actually dealing with? What is the state of that debate today, uh, first of all, and how do you think we should respond to it secondly? The first reason why I believe that so many people are against hip-hop is because of where it comes from. Keep in mind that after slavery ended, the Reconstruction era started, and this was, you have a bunch of uneducated slaves, you know, can't read or write, you know, and no longer are we able to make them uh, do slave labor on our plantations. What are we going to do with them? Well, what a lot of communities did was is they forced them to the outside. You ever wonder why, like, you could tell where certain white people live and where black people live. That's what happened. They were pushed outside the city limits. Not only that, but then a thing called redlining happened where certain cities decided where they were going to invest their money. And it definitely was not in those black communities. So between redlining and what we... I hate to say it like this, uneducated slaves who couldn't read or write, yet you're denying them educational opportunities, you're denying them certain jobs. And I mean, let's just be real about this. The whole purpose of the ghetto was to, it was to strip away hope for a certain group of people. And that is what hip hop was birthed out of. It was birthed out of a culture where the community was designed to strip away hope. Whenever we found ways to reignite hope, the leaders were killed. Dr. King is killed. Megar Evers is killed. You know, 
schools or churches burned down. The fire department's doing nothing to, to try to save them. Just let it burn down. You know, it was birthed out of a place of, of pain, out of a place where hope was non-existent. It came out of those places. Hip hop actually took the form of where it came from. So because you go into these communities and you know, you see uh, there's a lot of violence, you see there's a lot of drugs, you see there's a lot of gangs or whatnot. Hip hop, it came out of that. So uh, a lot of people are against hip hop, like I said, because one where it comes from, but another group of people, they're against hip hop because they hate that it took on the identity of where it was from. So I hear mostly white people say we shouldn't use it because, you know, it comes from a black community. Uh, I hear black people, older, older black people, uh, what I like to call season saints, saying we shouldn't use it because you know, we did all this marching. We we did all this to fight for our equal rights and they're setting us back. Mm. You know, they're making it to where it's hard for us to be able to get acclimated into uh, what we call predominantly white culture and mainstream culture or whatever. So I, I hear even, you know, my own relatives, you know, who don't want it to be used. They don't like it because in their mind, what we are doing is, is we are making it harder for us to be accepted into what they call mainstream culture. But my argument to that would be, if they're going to be racist anyways, then why do we have to conform to their rules or, you know, wear our hair a certain way or, you know, talk a certain way or act a certain way if, you know, they're gonna be racist towards us anyway. So that's the first thing I see. But the second thing I see is, is just some people just honestly don't know how are we going to incorporate hip hop into worship. And because we didn't accept it in the 80s, it's even harder now because now hip hop is taking on a different form. If we would have accepted it in the 80s, it would have been easier to incorporate it into our worship because hip hop was so simple in the 80s. It was going down to the grocery store, you know, got a couple stickers. I'm going to need some more. You know, it was it was very basic in the rhyme form. Yeah. But we were against it then. But now hip hop is taking on so many different forms. It's gotten faster. The beats have gotten more complex. So now you got people who are saying, well, we're wanting to use it now. But how are we going to use it? How can we incorporate it? So I think we really missed out on a great opportunity because if we would have incorporated it in the 80s, then we would have already answered all these questions. But because we were so against it, both black and white people for different reasons, uh, now we found ourselves in a dilemma. Now we're just trying to figure out how can we catch up. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your um, approach to songwriting and what that looks like for you. And then I think that could be a nice segue into telling our listeners about the song that we printed the lyrics in the Bisa magazine called So Amazing. And what you were trying to convey with this music. Uh, I know we're going back to the kids again, mm -hmm. but it has a story with the youth that you're trying to reach. So part one, what does your uh, writing process look like? And then part two, can you tell us about So Amazing? Yes. Uh, my writing process um, is actually based off a, a quote I heard from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis once said, you can either rap about, well, he didn't say rap. He said, he was talking about write. Um, you can either write about the sun or you can write about what the sun helps you to see. Mm. You can either write about the sun or write what about the sun helps you to see. And that's what I try to do with my music. You know, there are some songs where 
you know, it's it's in your face. I'm unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to the salvation of souls for everyone who believes. You know, I'm not scared to say I'm a representative of Christ. You know, Christ died for me. How could I not live for him? You know, I got lyrics where it's just me bragging about the son and how good he is and how God is good all the time. But then I got other songs where um, it's a little more discreet. Um, it's it's and it's intentional. Um, what I've learned is you heard me talk earlier about how there are some people who they refuse to listen to Christian music. You know, they are completely turned off to it. So if you say to them, hey, I got this Christian CD I want you to listen to, they're not even going to give it a chance. Well, how are we going to get, you know, how am I going to get my music to them? So what I've learned to do is, is I've learned to write so many different types of genres of music, R&B, pop. I can write gospel and contemporary, but focusing more on the pop and the R&B, I've learned how to write lyrics, Christian-based lyrics, in a way to where it sounds like your normal pop song. So I may be writing about how, you know, I'm struggling with my relationship with the Lord, but it sounds like I'm just struggling with a regular relationship. But I did it that way intentionally so that whether you are struggling with your relationship with the Lord or you've wronged somebody, hey, go and make it right. You know, I've, I've learned how to do that. So I've learned ways to which I can use music to get it to anybody's ear. I, I don't feel limited. I thank God for the versatility because I know that there's nobody that my music cannot reach, whether that be an older person who doesn't like rap. Well, I know how to dumb it down to make it to where it's it's more pop and it's something that they can groove to or it's the people who they, they love the, the you know, they love the hard beats. You know, I can I can I can do it all. Um, and I'm not trying to brag on myself. It's just, you know, me saying that God has gifted me in a unique way and he's given me a unique understanding of how I can reach so many different people, whether that be boastful lyrics where I boast about the glory of God or lyrics where, you know, I'm just rapping about life and the things I see. And you may not even tell I'm a Christian on that song at first, but if you listen to the whole album, you will. Well, Devante, we love your desire to redeem uh, hip hop and rap music for the sake of reaching young people and other fans of those forms of music with the gospel. And we would love it if we could talk you into performing uh, one of your songs for us so we could we could hear for ourselves how okay. it is that you redeem it. Would you be willing to do that for us? Yes, uh, okay. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna rap a cappella. It's actually just gonna be a combination of songs that I'm gonna do, but what you're gonna hear is, in these combination of songs, uh, you're gonna hear my testimony and you're also going to hear um, just how great my God is. I have a song specifically called Flexing. And uh, the reason why it's called uh, Flexing is because I'm just a firm believer that God is always in the blessing business. He's He never stops being good. You know, even in seasons where it's hard to see his goodness, we believe what the scripture says. That's all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That means good and bad. Everything I go through, God is strategically using it for my ultimate good and for his glory. So we'll start it off like this. Otherwise, let me tell you where I'm from. I foster home, I'm a doctor, you shot tongue. Single mom raised us down on her luck, cause pasta let the pick like summer cropping out one. But it's all good, me and him made up. I only bring it up so that I might inspire some. Cause I was broke too, like same parachutes and jacket every day to school and got made fun of. But I made it, no faking, and you can't debate it. Four year institution, and I graduated. Plus, I got my masters, not bragging at all. If that's what you thought, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not a statistic, not a delinquent. I'm not dissing no one, just thankful to be in a good state of being. I'm making the difference. It can be exhausting, but it is so pleasing.
For the turn around, can I get a turn up? Get lit since you're looking at a glow up. Since I never ran up and got done up, I need everybody in here to get crumb. Since I'm up now, I'ma need hands up. Can I get a couple follow since I'm on a come up? Spaz out if you like what I'm about. If you above ground, get bucked like you won one. My God's a beast, he's so artistic. The flick of his wrist, it is so wicked. From mountains to flowers to sea full of fishes. Just look at creation, man, how could you miss it? This was no accident, only he did it. He is omnipotent, he's so sufficient. He is so omniscient and he's preeminent. Not enough words, he's beyond description. My God is flexing, huh. showing up muscle. He's showing up muscle. He makes ways and no ways. Does the impossible, does the impossible. You can't stop his plan. No, it's indomitable. It's indomitable. And the God I'm describing is the lion within me. The strength that I need. So who wanna stop me though? You cannot thwart it. No, his plan for me. I'm a train and I'm rolling. Whoa, to heaven I'm going. I'm moving on up past the Jefferson strolling. Whoa, and it's so abhorrent. The way folks be hating, but trust me, they know what they know. That this can't anoint it. Even if you do not like me, you cannot ignore it. You cannot and ignore it. No, I don't need that ish with that bop in it. I made in his image. The spirit that's holy is in me. That's too much. No stopping it. Don't try to stop me. You will take an L because I'm in his will, not the document. And he don't take L's. He only get does without charge of 20. No opulence. Counting my blessings like counting my breasts. No need to worry. Now I should just rest. There's no expressing. I cannot express my zest. My God is the best. My God is flexing. I am not stressing. No need to worry. Ha, just resting. My God is flexing. I am not stressing because he don't take L's. Why sound in Spanish? Whoa. And what I mean by that is in the Spanish language, if you take two L's and put them next to each other, they cancel each other out and make a Y sound. And all I'm saying is my God doesn't lose. He doesn't take L's. Mm -hmm. He only wins. He only gets W's. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. Thank you, Devante. That was amazing. That was so incredible. Hmm. And what a gift to share to share with us and our listeners. So if our listeners want to listen to more and they want to find your music, tell us how they can find you and your music and what you have coming up. Yes. Yeah, so I'm actually working on, well, actually I'm done working on it. We're done recording. So I just finished recording an EP. It's eight songs long. No, it's nine songs long. Right now, the only thing we have to do is get it mixed and mastered. So I'm done with my part. Now it's just up for the engineer to finish mixing and mastering it. And we're looking at getting it out within the next two to three months. But if anyone wants to be keep updates on the music and, you know, know when it's coming out and how they can get it, all you have to do is follow me on uh, social media. So you can follow me on Facebook at Devante Swang. That's S-W-A-N-G. Um, by the way, that's my stage name, Swain, um, S-W-A-N-G. Uh, you can also follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at Pastor Swain. Pastor Swain, S-W-A-N-G. But yeah, you will find all the updates on the music there. Mm. And you'll also find updates on some of the shows we're doing. Wonderful. Pastor Anderson, thank you very much for being with us. Kristen and I always like to conclude these interviews by asking our guests what they've been learning recently from the Lord. Uh, mm. Could you offer our listeners a word of encouragement just based on some of the things the Lord's been doing in your life and teaching you in recent weeks and months? So because I'm so new into pastoring, um, I'm actually learning a lot. You know, pastoring, there's no amount of books that can get you ready. Amen. You know, mm -hmm. seminary does a service. Don't get me wrong. But until you get your feet wet, you know, uh, what I've been learning as a new pastor, as a young pastor is your talents and your giftings can only get you so far. And what I mean by that is, is that I think too many times we make the mistake of thinking that just because God has equipped me with this gift and he has enabled me and empowered me with this gift. And just because through the grace of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to refine that gift 
you know, and to sharpen those skills. And I went to seminary and got tools to to help me better with the gift. We think that we can do ministry out of our talents and our giftings and not realizing it's only going to go so far. One good example I like to use with that is Mark chapter six. You see in Mark chapter six, the disciples, they are um, God gives them the power to preach and cast out demons in his name. You see that in Mark chapter six, but then you get to Mark chapter nine and there's a father with a boy and this boy has a spirit that is contrary to him. And the, he brought him to the disciples because Jesus was with three of the disciples, Peter, James and John, you know, up on the mount. And there he was transfigured. But while the other nine were down at the mount, there was a crowd and the man. He brings his his son to the disciples and they could not cast him out. They couldn't do it. Jesus comes down and to make a long story short, what do you see that Jesus was able to cast the demon out of the boy? And the boy lives. And scripture says that when they got back to the house, because I'm pretty sure the disciples were too embarrassed to ask in front of the crowd, they pulled Jesus to the side and they said, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus says, this type can only be done with prayer and fasting. Mm. And I say that to say that talent and gifting can only go so far. You know, you got a lot of people out there who are building their ministries off of their talents and their gifts. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing the church grow rapidly. But I'm here to tell you it will only last so long and it will only go so far, even if you have great intentions. Make no mistake about it. There have been times in my ministry where even with the best intentions, I found myself coming from a place of talent and, you know, gifting. And I realized then that, you know, this can only do so much. It's the spirit of God who saves. You know, don't get me wrong. The, the gospel was preached and the gospel, it alone, you know, scripture says it's the power of God to the salvation of souls. The, the gospel can save whether I'm in tune with it or not. But when we are operating in the spirit of God. And the, the gospel is going, you know, the, the spirit of God, the, the gospel going forth through the power of the spirit. You know, scripture says clear as day that the word, it will accomplish all it's set out to do. It will go forth and it, not, it will not return void. I've seen the difference in me working out of my talent and me working out of the spirit and what it does for the people. I've seen the gospel go forth, me working out of my talent, and it blesses people. But I've seen the gospel go forth with the power of the spirit and how it heals and how it comforts and how it truly encourages people. So that's probably the biggest thing, you know, I've learned, you know, in my short amount of time that I've been pastoring. Mm, a good word and a great conclusion to our time together with Pastor Devante Anderson, senior pastor of St. Paul AME Church in Adamsville, also a hip hop and rap recording artist. We're proud to say he's an alumnus of Beeson Divinity School, and we are grateful to him for being with us today. Thank you, Pastor Anderson, very much. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We love you. We're praying for you, and we say goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.